What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. So Kawhi Leonard finally made his decision. I've been teasing all week, or all last week, that uh, we'd talk about the decision he made when he made one. He did it. We'll touch on it. Well, also, uh, I'll play a little audio from Damian Lillard's reaction to that decision. Uh, sort of where he thinks the Blazers stack up after that. And uh, his his view on the, the power of players in this new NBA. And we'll also talk about Blazers' summer league. I resisted, resisted giving you a summer league preview. Now the Blazers have t- played two summer league games. We've got two fake games that we can talk about. That's what we'll do in segment three. But first, let's start in the 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 most interesting part of the of the off season. Kawhi Leonard, after spending a season with the Toronto Raptors and winning them their first and only NBA title, Kawhi Leonard decided to go home. Not all the way home because there is no. NBA team in the Inland Empire. But as home as he could get, Southern California. He's a clipper. He signed a 40-year, $144 million max contract with the Los Angeles Clippers. But your boy Kawhi didn't just do that. He also recruited a friend to join him. He convinced Paul George, a year into a max contract, to ask or even demand a trade from the Oklahoma City Thunder so he too could join Kawhi with the Los Angeles Clippers. The Thunder, in exchange, get four unprotected first-round picks, one protected first-round pick, and two pick swaps, along with Danilo Gallinari and Shai Gillis-Alexander. It is a move that shakes up the West and classically happened on the first night of Summer League, in large part because all of the NBA is in Vegas this weekend. You can get things done. It's the type of weekend where you can finish the deal. And Michael Winger and Lawrence Frank in the front office at the Los Angeles Clippers finished the deal. Sam Presti, who's basically never been a GM with a team without a star, is on the precipice of not having a team without a star. Talk a little bit about that in a second, but let's start with what Kawhi and Paul George to the Clippers means. Uh, it kind of seemed like, as we were sort of reading the tea leaves and waiting, that um, truly no one knew what Kawhi was going to do. It fits his personality that no one knew what he was going to do. I think that kind of checks out with um, everything we know and don't know about him over the last two years, as he has demanded a trade out of one of the most stable franchises in the history of sports, and San Antonio Spurs. Dragged the the Raptors. I mean, he was awesome in the playoffs. He was the best player in the playoffs, even if he wasn't the best player in their closeout game to win the world to win the world championship. Dragged them to their first and only title, and then decided he's out of there. And according to Ramona Shelburne of ESPN, she wrote a really interesting article about uh, Kawhi's decision to leave before he uh, talked with. Paul George specifically, he first reached out to Kevin Durant and he said, hey man, don't join the Brooklyn Nets. 
come with me to the Clippers. And uh, Durant was apparently taken aback by that, but he had already decided with his super pals that they were going to move to Brooklyn perhaps as early as three years ago. So him and the super pals, Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan, did just, in fact, that. Millennials moving to Brooklyn, classic shit. Other millennials moving to L.A., also classic stuff, y'all. Kind of gives you an insight into what Kawhi was like. I think there was some reporting after the fact that was saying Kawhi didn't want to join a super team. Well, he might not have wanted to join a super team, but he certainly wanted to build his own, and that's exactly what he did. I guess a super team is supposed to have a third star, but adding those two guys on the wing, um, even if super team is the wrong word and we're sort of outside of that era technically, uh, he certainly built a, a Frankenstein team from scratch. And the... F- the Clippers were willing to give away five first-round picks in order to make it happen. I mean, that haul is insane for OKC, but essentially what they were doing was trading two of the top ten players in the league to one team. Uh, that trade, while it only is technically for Paul George, you know, Kawhi Leonard isn't going to the Clippers without Paul George, so it's technically for both guys. The Clippers take a calculated risk. In my opinion, I said I was going to tell you what it means. In my opinion, I think the Clippers are the favorites to win the NBA title. I don't think they're strong favorites. I think I think the competition is flatter than it's been. Certainly flatter than it's been in the Warriors era. Uh, the Lakers are still going to be pretty good, assuming that they're healthy. Uh, the Jazz are going to take a step forward. The Nuggets are going to be a year older and a year better. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Warriors. They're going to be right in the mix. If they're healthy, particularly depending on when and how, and what Clay is like when he gets back, the Warriors might be right back into being like a a very good team again. Maybe not championship favorites, certainly not championship favorites, but right back in the mix and right there. And so, where does that leave the Blazers? I think it leaves the Blazers, despite all their roster rebuilds, I think it leaves them right in the same spot they were before. They're one of the three to seven best teams in the West. They're relying on continuity of their stars and coaching staff to kind of push them over the top in the regular season and hoping things break their way in the playoffs. But you would have assumed with the Warriors dynasty breaking up that maybe the Blazers would have had a chance to vault into that, hey, we're one of we're clearly one of the three best teams in the Western Conference. I think Kawhi and PG quickly changing teams and joining up in LA makes prevents the Blazers from faulting up into that conversation. I don't think that they're I just think that they're back to where they were last year. And that might sound like an insult, but last year they won 53 games and made the Western Conference Finals. Like if they're just as good as they were last year, they're very good again. So if you're going to send me angry tweets about what I think the Blazers are, um just remember that if I assume that they don't improve, that they had a damn good year last year. And being, you know, at, you know, a lack of improvement, if, if you stay the same as you were a year ago, you're a 53 to 55 win team that has a chance to make the Washington Conference Finals. It's a pretty good place to be. But the other subtext of this move is that basketball in Oklahoma City, as we know it, it's decidedly different we just haven't seen the thunder exist without a star you know Kevin Durant moved there after his time with the Sonics Russell Westbrook 
was drafted by the Sonics but never played for them. His rookie year was in Oklahoma City and then followed with James Harden. And then after Harden left and after Durant left, you know, we saw a year of Russell Westbrook as an MVP. Uh, You can have gripes with whether he was an MVP or not, but he certainly won the award. And then they added Paul George for two seasons. We just haven't seen a starless thunder, and it's looking like after Paul George kind of stunned OKC, and the reporting uh, from Brett Dawson of The Athletic kind of sounds like this happened all in about 48 hours, is that uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard spoke, and then Paul George just went to the thunder and said, I'm... I'm not demanding a trade, but you should trade. You need to trade me to the Clippers. And they were able to get this incredible, you know, five first round pick haul for it. So they went ahead and, and made it happen. Uh, there's also some reporting from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that uh, at some point Sam Presti tried to trade both Paul George and Russell Westbrook to uh, to the Toronto Raptors in order to, to sort of... Uh, do a total reset and, and, and get some assets and, and clear the books. But it looks like even if Westbrook plays games for the Thunder this season, that it's, it's more when, not if he'll be off the team and that they're clearing the decks to start over. Uh, why that, that's important for a lot of reasons. It's a, it's a contender type team or a playoff type team in the Western conference that is now, uh, very suddenly out of the picture, but it also means that the Blazers were directly responsible for the demise of another franchise. Uh, obviously Damian Lillard waving goodbye to Oklahoma city is the sort of lasting, uh, impression of the Paul George era with the thunder the bad shot, if you will, a 37-foot three-pointer to send them out of the playoffs, their third consecutive first-round exit that maybe caused the Thunder to say, you know, with this group is not a group that can win it, compete for an NBA title, and we don't have enough routes in order to add talent that that's going to happen the way we want it to. But also, if you're going back even further... In the game 82, Anthony Simons scored 37 points, helped the Blazers come back from 28 down against the Kings. Final game of the regular season, a game that the Blazers pretty pretty transparently tried to lose. And then Scalabissier and uh, Anthony Simons just wouldn't let them in the second half after the Kings benched their starters and just played bench versus bench. Blazers came charging back to win and secure the three seed and end up playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. Again, an outcome that seems pretty transparently something the Blazers did not want. And then Damian Lillard went nuts, capped an incredible first-round series with a 37-footer, and kind of ushered an era out of Oklahoma City. In a way, Anthony Simons... 37-point game in Game 82 changed the course of NBA history for four years. Certainly changed a lot of the Blazers' postseason results because the the bracket kind of tilted them in the playoffs. And obviously Dame's dominant first-round series had a huge impact on what became of the Thunder. But here we are now. Kawhi Leonard's a Clipper. Paul George is a Clipper. Importantly, Kawhi Leonard isn't a Laker. They've had to add a bunch of short-term 
kind of mediocre to bad players to fill out the rest of their roster after waiting for Kawhi's decision. The Raptors are certainly no longer a championship team. There's tons of fallout from this. I do think that the league probably has more teams that could win a championship than they've had in the past. In the past, like, five, six years in the, in the, in the Warriors era, basically since the Warriors took over the last five seasons. But I think there's a clear favorite, and I think that clear favorite is the Clippers, at least for now. If they're healthy, they're going to be really good. And that's, that's what Friday night gave us, was a new power in the West. In the second segment, I want to play you a little bit of audio from Damian Lillard's uh, official press conference announcing his contract extension with the Blazers, his Supermax deal, and kind of what he thinks about this new era of the NBA and player empowerment and, and what his initial thoughts were when he saw the Clippers load up on, on talent. Uh, but before I do that, I'll remind you guys that for all the latest takes on NBA free agency, you can follow all the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA free agency. So follow along there at Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. So Kawhi's a clipper. Paul George is a clipper with him. The balance of power in the West probably resides in LA and plays most of its games at Staples Center. Either with Anthony Davis and LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Certainly the uh, the tenants of that fine arena in downtown Los Angeles hold a lot of the championship equity in the NBA. Uh Damian Lillard, along with basically the rest of the whole NBA, is in Vegas. It's a fun part about Summer League. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But the fun part about Summer League is like this first weekend of Summer League, the whole league is seemingly in Las Vegas. Players, you know, veteran players, executives, coaches, PR people and and, and team employees who are going to league meetings and stuff like that. A An increasingly massive amount of media members and uh which includes kind of media members who otherwise wouldn't be credentialed to NBA events there's a bunch of um uh this is like an event for for sort of like I don't want to say secondary but it's like it, it, it's it's an event that a lot of media members can cover um it is a big deal the whole league is there it's a lot of fun so Dame was there not only because he probably wanted to party a little bit with the homies in Las Vegas, but also because he was uh, announcing a, uh, they're officially announcing his Supermax extension, which doesn't kick in for two more seasons. But, you know, we've talked about this a bunch. Dame is committed to the Blazers until he's about 35 years old. Um, he's here for the long haul. At that press conference, he spoke about his initial reaction to the Kawhi-Paul George team up in LA. Uh, he said he found out he was in the pool and one of his friends told him uh, that Paul George got traded to the Clippers. And he said, there's no way that's true. And then he, once he hopped out, uh, he grabbed his buddy's phone and he saw that Kawhi Leonard is also going there too. And he's, he was like, oh, that's uh that's a serious, that's a serious team up. And he said that he quickly texted Maurice Harkless, former Blazer, who's now a member of the Clippers by way of the Hassan Whiteside trade. And he said, y'all going to be nice. But uh, in the audio I'm about to play you, it's sort of, I want to let you listen in on Dame's reaction sort of to overall of the acquisition of uh, the Clippers getting both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and how he views that. 
I mean, I wouldn't say it's motivating. I just, <clears throat> when I see stuff like that, I just, I automatically feel challenged. Like, I feel challenged. And it's like, it's going to be a topic. It's going to be a big discussion because, you know, two star players going to join up in a, a market like that. Um, and I just take the challenge. Like, it's almost exciting to where it's like, another team is expected to pass you by. So it's, it gives you something to, to look forward to, something to be excited about. It's a, a new challenge. So um, I'm just excited about it. it. It's perfectly fine. It is strikingly on brand that Damian Lillard sees uh, a team getting, you know, ostensibly better than the Blazers as an exciting new challenge. Uh, there's something perfectly Damian Lillard about him um, using the word excited to describe that team up. Uh, he's, that's just, that's who he is. Um, he's incredibly confident and, and kind of likes being the underdog, not even kind of likes being the underdog, just straight up would prefer to be the underdog. He is most comfortable being doubted. Um, so I think he's, he's, uh, I think he's being honest when he says that he's excited that that team is supposed to be better than the Blazers, because I think he really uh, is in his, his, his most, his most his, his his most accurate comfort zone, or his most authentic comfort zone, when people are counting the Blazers out. Uh, I've joked before that him making first team All NBA was bad for his brand because he couldn't say that people doubted him. Um, and, and I there's some there's a grain of truth to that because I I really do think he 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 fuel he. There is something about that doubt that really does fuel him. He thrives off that. Uh, another part of that press conference I want to play you now is. I think an important part of kind of what we saw during this free agency period, I think Dame touches on it in an interesting way, is that in the past, like say the 2016 offseason when, when LaMarcus Aldridge was, or 2015 offseason, when LaMarcus Aldridge was sort of famously taking these like long PowerPoint interviews with teams and, and, he, and he had two meetings with the Lakers. Um, we didn't really see that as much this offseason. It seems like um, either league has such a brutal tampering issue that those meetings happen well before free agency so players can decide, or that meeting with teams and meeting with like the brass, the coaches, and, 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 the, and the front office of teams just doesn't have as much value in the past. Like Kawhi's people try to keep it under wraps very aggressively, like who he was meeting with and, and, uh, and, and when those were going down. But even the other big free agents, you know, Kawhi, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like pretty much already committed to go to the Nets. There was no, there was, there was no presentations, you know, Katie apparently met with, with Bob Myers of the Warriors, but he didn't, um, you know, there was no formal presentation. So it's kind of seems like that that world has changed, and now we're seeing a uh, you know players recruiting players becoming the real value. So uh, I'm going to play a little audio of Dame kind of talking about sort of the new dynamic of the NBA and free agent recruiting. I mean, it's become huge because it's sometimes the the coaches and the, the front offices they don't have as much, I guess, power as the players. You know, the players are so friendly now. I think in the past it was like, you know, Jordan probably didn't go out searching and trying to get guys to come join them. You know, it was like they was competing against each other. Now is, well, they got three stars on their team, so I know this guy and that guy. I'm going to try to get them to come to my team. So I think you see it a lot more now where it's just players recruiting players is more powerful than the, 
a pitch meeting with the team. You know, it's just that's just what it is now. So I mean, it's a huge part of it's a huge part of the game now. The audio I'm not playing you from this interview is kind of the more um, cliched Damian Lillard stuff. He he he's he told me and or told a sort of a collection of media members in 2016 in this really innocuous way. He's he had 40 points against the Warriors in in, in a game that they lost actually. And someone asked him in the locker room something about that. And he, he said it was an innocuous question about just scoring a bunch of points. And this was three years ago, you know, three seasons ago. And he launched into a thing about how he wanted to be the best Blazer ever and wanted to play his whole career with the Blazers. That's the audio I didn't play you, is that when he talks about that long extension, he signs that he, it's about loyalty. And it's, uh, he, he doesn't, Maybe whereas the rest of the league and plenty of stars are kind of at his level are are increasingly teaming up and going other places to build these, for lack of a better term, Frankenstein teams built from scratch out of spare parts of stars. He is content to stay in Portland. And he says in that interview and also another interview he did in Vegas this week is that if that means that he doesn't win a championship, he'll be okay. Because he knows he did it his way. And he knows that he was loyal to the people that were loyal to him. And it's something that has kind of defined his whole life. I wrote a story about this three years ago. And and uh, it's it, he's only sort of underscored that type of thing. So um, that's the audio I didn't include. It's Damien Lord talking about signing a $200 million contract because he's loyal to this to the Blazers franchise and wants to be a part of it forever. Um, the other thing I didn't... The other audio we didn't play there is he's he says uh, and and Jason Quick of the Athletic wrote a story about this. Uh, if you want to check that out, is that he's already reached out to Hassan Whiteside. Those are the highlights from Dame's uh, f- contract extension press conference that he did in Vegas this week, this weekend. But I do think it's interesting the uh, sort of player empowerment era that he speaks to. Um, he talked about an interview he did on ESPN on the jump is that him and CJ don't ever talk about specific players they're going to recruit. When they talk about players, they say he would fit well with the Blazers because he can shoot or he can do this, he can defend, he can rebound. That they don't say he's going to be a free agent in 2021, so we should recruit him to be here. Um, I don't know if I believe all that. I'm pretty sure that these guys are smart and know who's going to be a free agent when and also have Google like you and I and can look that stuff up if they're curious. But I do think maybe that they don't ramp up the recruiting efforts because, A, the Blazers don't have a lot of flexibility to add these guys. So if they did, that might change the calculation. And B, the places these biggest players have wanted to go have been, albeit the sort of the lesser teams in these areas, Los Angeles and New York City. Blazers aren't on the list. But I do think it's interesting. I thought that I wanted to play those quotes about sort of um, his thoughts on the Clippers and, and the player player empowerment, player recruiting stuff, because I think it gives you an insight into sort of how how players now view their their position in the league as it comes to roster reconstruction and, and, and player movement. All right. So the whole league's in Vegas. Dame's in Vegas. That's why I did these interviews. That's why you get to hear the audio. The Blazers or the Summer Blazers at least, played some games that don't really count. That's what I want to talk about in the third segment. 
But before I do that, I'll remind you guys that when you're driving to work or from work or just around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device in your car to play podcast Lockdown Blazers, and I'll be there with you for the entire drive. As long as your drive is like 30 minutes long. But yeah, make it a part of daily routine. Every time you get in your car, tell your smart device, smart speaker, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. All right. Welcome back. Still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. Blazers are 1-1 one one in Summer League. They got shelled by Detroit. They handily beat the Rockets. Uh, I think the Blazers' back-to-back trips to the Summer League Championship has kind of poisoned how people think about the Blazers and this Summer League thing. The games are meaningless. It does not matter if you win or lose. The tournament is a setup for TV. All of the games are on TV now. I know Blazer fans enjoy rooting for the Blazers to win the Summer League Championship. Some of it because of just bizarre basketball irony that has seeped into the veins of basketball fans in this fine city. And some of it because it's always fun to see your team win and that's a totally normal way to root for your team. But the games are meaningless. I can't stress this enough. They mean nothing. That's why in game one, when the Blazers got shelled by the Pistons, or the Summer Pistons, or whatever you want to call them, it was a meaningless outcome. And in game two, when the Blazers pretty much handled uh, the Rockets' summer team, it was also meaningless. Here's how I watch Summer League. Or here's what I look for in summer league. I think, I think. You have to consider several things, and I and I will call this the Josh Selby caveat. And for those of you who are lucky enough to not know who Josh Selby is, he's the guy who won co rookie of or co summer league MVP along with Damian Lillard. Josh Selby never played a minute in the NBA, but he was incredibly good in Vegas. Damian Lillard. Also very good in Vegas after a, after a 1-for-10, I believe, start in his Vegas debut. But he was very, very, very good as a, as a rookie in Summer League. He looked awesome. He had scouts comparing him to Derrick Rose, and he's had a much better career than Derrick Rose. MVP aside, he's just a straight-up better player than Derrick Rose ever was. But for all the people who are very good in Summer League... And never pan out. There are people who are bad in Summer League and do pan out. And obviously there's Damian Lillard who are both good in Summer League and good in real basketball life. So the thing you look for is sort of, for me, is translatable stuff. Stuff that you kind of think can happen in a real NBA game. Because this these are not real NBA games. There's less organization. The Your teammates are way worse. There's just not a lot of offensive sets. Um, there is limited coaching. Uh... There are substitution patterns that are dictated by doing a favor to agents. There's all kinds of weird things that happen in Summer League that don't happen in a real NBA game. So when you're watching the Blazers, here's what I recommend. You only watch three players. You watch Anthony Simons, Nazir Little, and Gary Trent Jr. And you don't watch anyone else because no one else on the team matters. If you care about them winning the games, ignore what I'm going to say. But if you're sort of trying to think about how it will translate when the games start to count in the fall, this is my advice. See if Anthony Simons shows point guard skills. So far through two games, I don't think he has. And I think that is a concern. A mild one, but certainly a concern. He, on the the way the Blazers' depth heart shakes out right now, Anthony Simons is probably your backup point guard. 
unless the Blazers sort of turn that role back over to C.J. McCollum, which I think is fairly likely he'll run the second unit by himself while Dame sits, and they'll stagger them more than they did in the past season. But Anthony Simons right now, just depth chart-wise, looks like the guy who would be the backup point guard, and he just hasn't shown good passing instincts. Uh, he struggled a little bit with post-entry passes. He struggled a little bit with just sort of um, ball handling against pressure. He struggled just making the sort of smart, easy pass. He's turned the ball over a bunch, either trying to force things or just unable to do little fundamental things. That's a problem. He still looks like he can get a shot off against anybody. I think that translates to the league. Dude has one skill and it's getting buckets. It's the most important single skill you can have in the NBA. If you're going to be good at one thing, scoring is the one thing you want to do. Ask Jamal Crawford. He's going to play for 400 years in the league. But he hasn't... Simons hasn't looked like a point guard yet. And if you're looking for... If you're looking for things that matter in Summer League, it's those little things. It's not the outcome of the game. Nazir Little, to me, has looked like the Nazir Little who I was saw at UNC and was a little bit worried about as an NBA player. He doesn't exactly understand spacing. Uh, he's He doesn't have the juice to shake guys off the dribble. He looks a little tentative holding the ball when he gets the ball and his shot selection is a little bit wonky. And yet there are moments when he flashes what makes him so special. He had a putback dunk uh, against the Rockets that shows you his just his athleticism and his anticipation as an offensive rebounder. He had a cut to the rim where he got another big dunk. Dude has special skills. In the first game, his first bucket, it took him a while to get there, but his first bucket in game one, was a strong drive where he started left and then swooped back for a reverse to his right hand. Dude has skills, but his he has limitations. And I think his limitations have shown themselves why he's going to take a little while to develop in the NBA. Of course, two summer league games are kind of meaningless, and when he has better teammates, he might be a better contributor. But the things he was, at least for me, a guy who watched him play a ton, you know, every game of his college career, the things he was bad at in college, he's still bad at now. It happens. And finally, Gary Trent Jr. I didn't think Gary Trent was very good in Game 1. He was awesome in Game 2. Some of that was because all the shots went in. That always helps. 7 of 8 from 3. That is always a helpful thing. But uh, Tr Gary Trent showed you his NBA skill. If you're looking for the thing that he can do in the NBA, it's absolutely shoot it. He can shoot it. He showed some... Uh, one dribble pull-ups into three-pointers. He showed some catch-and-shoot threes. He showed... Um, attacking guys off switches and when he gets a big man just straight pulling up off several dribbles off the three he can really shoot it that's a translatable skill i'm not sure gary trent can can be the facilitator he exactly was on sunday against the rockets i'm not sure that translates to the league but he did have some nice passes he had a couple um a couple good drives to the rim too when people attacked him uh, as closeouts, you know you start hitting threes people close out harder on you he did a good job of getting to his right hand and finishing in the paint you know, 31 points, nothing to scoff at. He was really, really good on Sunday. But for me, if you're looking at the thing that's going to translate to win the games count in the fall, for Gary Trent, it's shooting. For Nazir Little, it's he just doesn't still doesn't exactly know what he's trying to do on offense. But another but just quick, I didn't touch on this when I talked about Nazir before. Little has what he does do and what he did at Carolina is no matter what, he plays pretty hard. And that was 
even the like at, at UNC he had plenty of reason to kind of mope a little bit. He wasn't getting the playing time. He was he was backed up on the depth chart, but he always played really hard. Even the summer league games, he's played really hard. You like to see that. Dude whose motor is still going, even if uh, his other things aren't clicking. And Anthony Simons, he can get a shot off against anyone. He didn't they didn't go in so much these first two days. Like he's been fine. He hasn't been he hasn't had the the, the blow up games, but he can get a shot off against anyone. That translates. So when you're watching the rest of the Blazers Summer League games, they play at least two more and maybe more. You know, if you're rooting for them to win the NBA cha- or winning the Summer League championship, maybe they have several more, as many as six more. But they have at least two more games. So the things I want to watch is Simon's combo guard skills as a playmaker. If Gary Trent can keep getting himself space to shoot it because dude can shoot it. And if Nazir Little can kind of continue slowly but surely to figure out where he fits on offense. That's how you watch Summer League. You don't watch anything else. You look at the box score, you're going to get caught up with Josh Selby's. You look at wins and losses, you're going to get caught up with games that literally mean nothing. But if you figure out how the guys who are actually on the roster can fit and make contributions in the future, you can figure out what skills you need to watch to see how they can fit on the big roster. That's my advice for Summer League. My advice also, if you're going to go to Summer League, go this first weekend, Friday through Sunday. Make a, make a, you know, make a three-day long weekend of it. Check it out if you've never been. It's fun. The whole league is in Vegas. There's more Blazers Summer League to come. There's probably some more uh, roster stuff. The Blazers have two more roster spots to fill out. So we've got more off-season things to happen. Of course, the big domino fell with Kawhi Leonard, but there are more things across the league to happen. I will talk to you all about all those things when they do. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. I appreciate you guys listening. I'll talk to you soon.